we're going to dedicate the next praise hymn in honor of him. Been with us here a couple Sundays and a lot for those and Steve and the Cogwell family and Barry and you know they used to just occupy a, almost an entire pew here so um, we welcome back. I invited Kim to come front and center and she had one surgery on her throat and she's going to have another surgery so may the Lord bless you Kim. So we want to welcome all those by way of television this morning to all of it, United Methodist Church here in sunny Robbinsdale, Minnesota. We appreciate you and we thank you for your service, your commitment to the time with us. And there are many that are unable to worship that enjoy our music and our sermon and our scripture. I wish there was a, also a way that we could put 
our Sunday school class on, you know, on there. Just a real fantastic time. Our opening service now uh, begins with our opening hymn, um, O Worship the King, All Glorious Above, Red Hymnals, number 21. And um, Claris, um, I understand that red is one of your favorite colors. And um, we've purchased a, a plant on the altar in honor of Mike and Claris's anniversary. So you'll want to be sure and pick that up following the service today. We'll worship the King, all glorious above. Red number 21, please. If you'd like to stand, you may stand. Next hymn is I Have Decided to Follow Jesus in honor of the birthday of Janet Northfeld. She supports this church financially and she watches it by way of television. And we wish um, Janet a, a very wonderful birthday and upcoming healthy year. Red Hymnals number 451, please.
we go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just want to thank you again this day that you've allowed us to enter into. The Bible reminds us that this is the day of the Lord and we shall rejoice in it. And what better way to come and be grateful for your many blessings of health of mind, body, soul, and spirit to enter into our time of worship with a study and our Sunday school class and being with Ira and her leadership and those who attend. We thank you, Father, for his exposition of scriptures. And we just thank you that we're among very few churches that have any adult Sunday school class. And we, we're very privileged to be supportive of Ira as we come this day. We want to thank you for Kim being with us and the, the tremendous family that she comes from and the tremendous legacy within the church and Father Ken and, and Mother and we just thank you for Stephen and we thank you for Barry and we thank you for all the families that represent this church. We thank you for Mike and Clarice Laurel. We thank you for her wonderful commitment to music and our choir and, and music. We thank you for those who worship with us regularly, but due to circumstances or have moved, we pray for Janet Northfeld and other members of our older congregation. We pray, Father, that you would silence our, our thoughts and quicken your thoughts within, within our being. We pray for immediately following our worship service, our administrative board meeting. We pray, O oh Lord, for those who have experienced the death of loved ones this week, and we especially are reminded of the celebration of life service that will be held for Rilla, Rilla Euclid's on Tuesday, October 19th at 11 a.m. at the Glen Haven Chapel in Crystal. We thank you for Rilla's faith in Christ and her love and her faithfulness. And as she was entering into her 101st year, we, she would often tell me how she dearly and deeply missed all of it and the friendly faces and the cordiality and hospitableness. Growing up a, a Lutheran for many years and, and now becoming a United Methodist, she. She just inter entertained the great fellowship of Betty Haas and, and others in, in her place of residence. We thank you, Father, for nursing homes and the tremendous care that's provided by the nursing home personnel, and we just pray a special blessing upon them. We pray, Father, for other activities that are coming up. All of its cleanup day is set for Saturday, October 30th from 9 a.m. to noon. And as we come out and help in any way we can, we also remember that the cleanliness of our church and our grounds are to be maintained each and every day and the holiness of God's house. And we we thank you, Father, that we may be found faithful in, in the care of not only our personnel, but our property. We pray, O oh Lord, for the 
tremendous amount of disasters that seem to be occurring just in the last few months, especially the disaster at our southern border that fake news is not reporting. It seems, Father, that we have a hard time even caring for our veterans who defend our country, that are living under bridges and living from meal to meal. Help us, O Lord, to care for our law enforcement, because just in the last few months we've experienced such lawlessness. And I've preached for some 50 years on the second coming of Jesus Christ, and one of the greatest signs is lawlessness. And how can a nation, how can a world become any more lawless than currently we are when even our FBI and our Supreme Court and attorneys and judges and lawyers seem to be just so desperately corrupt that are putting politics before principle, party before principles. And as the scriptures say, Sodom and Gomorrah is going to rise up and say, how come you destroyed us? When evil is so prevalent and the standards of morality and of scripture, tradition, and reason and experience seems to be just thrown out the window. Father, help us to be the standards of hope. Help us to be the watched men and women that are the caretakers of your word of scripture and tradition and reason and experience and the biblical standards. Raise up a, a standard, a godly standard. Help us to take the time to come to our Sunday school classes and daily during the week read our upper rooms and our daily breads and our, the many masterpieces of scripture that from Genesis to Revelation and Bless our Wednesday night Bible study as we're studying the God of hope in all, all of the books of the Bible. We thank you for the principles of Zoom and so many promises of your word, Lord. And as we enter into this spirit of lawlessness that seems to be so prevalent in our land and where criminals are given more rights than our law enforcement, we realize, Lord, that you are the God of the beginning. You are the God of love. You are the God of what will be in your claiming us as your own. You have given us the most gracious and powerful invitation to, to pray, to lift all that weighs on our hearts with the confidence that you will hear. As we offer up our gifts of our time and our talents, and we thank those by way of television for their, their prayers and their presence and their gifts, for the prayer support and the financial support. And as we, we offer our gifts to you, O Lord, this morning, we, we pray that you will dedicate them so that they might bring a, a love and compassion and joy and mercy to people who are in, are in need by way of television, by way of radio, and by way of all communications. Then, then remind us that we are not done until we have offered to you the prayers of all our hearts in the name of Jesus. Jesus, our rock and our redeemer, we come before you this morning asking a special revelation upon Revelations 3 and Romans 1, 28 and other scriptures that we'll be reading. 
as you taught us to pray, reading, reading together, praying together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you. As Mike comes to, our scripture is taken from Revelation chapter 3, and Romans chapter 1, 28, and Mike will be commenting on Revelation chapter 13, and he'll be reading from Revelation chapter 13 also. So we'll ask Mike to come and prepare there too. Scripture has a lot to say about what, what the last days may look like. We are not to comment really on the fact of, you know, any date, date setting. It just seems to me that in my almost 50 years of preaching, and I, I was fascinated by prophecy earlier when I was in pre-med, that kind of switched over to pre-ministry and and I always um, emphasized you know that each and every day we're living in kind of the last days we're getting closer to the last days in Revelation chapter 3 talks about a message and I think that message is to you and I today and it's entitled the message to Sardis Revelation chapter 3. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. Do you have misgivings that God knows your works? I know your works. You have a name of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is on the point of death. For I have not found your works perfect in the sight of my God. Remember them when you received and heard. Obey it and repent. If you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. Yet you still have a few persons in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. If you conquer, you will be clothed like them in white robes, and will not blot your name out of the book of life. I will confess your name before my Father and before his angels. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Now the message to Philadelphia as you view the, not only the church ages, but the church ears and the, the attitudes and the behavior of churches in our day. And to the people of the church in Philadelphia, write these are the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has a key of David who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Look, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but a little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but are lying. I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word of patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. We're living in a time and an age, and like any other age, where there's a testing. 
I am coming soon. Hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. If you conquer, I will make you a pillar in the temple of my God. You will never go out of it. I will write on you the name of my God and the name of the city of my God. The new Jerusalem that comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Then the message to Laodicea, and certainly we've seen a evolution to a revolution these last few months. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write the words of Amen, the faithful and true witness, origin of God's creation. I know your works, you are neither cold nor hot. Seems like they say one thing out of their mouths and they do another thing in their actions and attitudes. I wish that you were either cold or hot, so because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. For you say I am rich and I have prospered and need nothing. You do not realize that you are wretched. You are pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Therefore I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white robes to clothe you and to keep the shame of your nakedness from being seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. I reprove and discipline those whom I love. Be earnest, therefore, and repent. Listen, I am standing at the door, knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to you and eat with you and you with me. To the one who conquers, I will give a place with me on my throne, just as I myself conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And at this time, we'll have the reading of Revelation chapter 13, and I'll incorporate Romans 1.28 in my message. Good morning, brothers and sisters. I'll read, and then I will do my sermon after that, lay sermon. For Revelation chapter 13, and I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten hordes and seven heads, with ten diadems upon its horns, and a blasphemous name upon its head. And the beast that I saw was like a leper, its feet were like a bear's, and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. One of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed, and the whole earth followed the beast with wonder. Men worshipped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who can fight against it? And the beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for forty-two months. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Also, it is allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given it over to every tribe and people and tongue and every nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name is not written in the, uh, before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb that was slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to be taken captive, Captivity goes. If anyone slays with a sword, with a sword he must he be slain. There is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. Then I saw another beast which rose out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. 
It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. It works great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in the sight of man. And the signs on which it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on the earth, bidding them to make an image for the beast which was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast could even speak and to cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Also caused all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand of the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, that is, the name of the beast or the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. Let him who is understanding reckon the number of this beast, for it is a human number. Its number is 666. When I started my observer, uh, the first thing I did, I learned uh, the definition of revelation. Revelation's definition is unveiling or disclosure. The vision in Revelation 13 may seem strange to us because of its symbolistic nature. Fortunately, this book, Revelation, provides a lot of clues and a long interpretation. Like the stars in Revelation are angels, the lampstands are churches, and the great prostitute is Babylon. The heavenly Jerusalem is now the wife of the Lamb. Jerusalem is the first love of the Lord. The beast from the sea will be granted almost unlimited power for 42 months. This power appears only to battle against Christians and defeat the concept of God and the written word throughout the entire world. The 13th chapter of Revelation is a study on two beasts. The first beast appears from the sea. This fits well culturally because ancient Israelites were wary of the sea and considered it a very frightening place. For instance, in Psalm 74, 13, God cracks the heads of the monsters that live there. And in Isaiah 57, 20, the wicked are compared to the tossing of the sea that will not rest. This first beast resembles the dragon. It also has seven heads and ten horns. But something we should never do is confuse the beast, the two beasts with the dragon. They are different entities with different roles in the end times. The first beast came out of the sea is more commonly known to us as the Antichrist. Some view it as a military leader from the Mediterranean area. Like the dragon, this beast also has seven heads and ten horns. Despite Revelation chapter 3 seeming strange because of its symbolic nature, Revolution, Revol the book of Revelation provides a lot of clues leading to a correct interpretation. Uh, for example, the stars in Revelation are angels, the lampstands are churches, and the great prostitute Revelation mentions is Babylon. And now the heavenly remodeled Jerusalem is now the wife of the Lamb in chapter 21, verse 9 and 10. Jerusalem is the bride of the Lamb and actually the first love. This beast from the sea will be granted almost unlimited power for 42 months. It appears to battle against Christians 
and defeat the concept of God and his written word throughout the entire globe. The second beast is also known as the false prophet. He's named later in Revelation. This beast arises from the earth and globally institutes the mark of the beast. This scripturally contradicts mark of God as he marked God's Mark God, God marked his people in Revelation chapter 3, verse 3. God's servants were being marked to stand with God, not against him. The people around the globe received this mark willingly. The mark of the beast willingly? That doesn't make any sense. They not only know what the mark is, but they willingly accept it because without it, they can't buy or sell anything. They won't be able to make a living without the mark. Those that receive this mark openly worship Satan to avoid persecution and death. That's the clue of why they were willing to accept the, the mark. Because if they didn't have it, they were out of there. Those that receive this mark openly worship Satan to avoid persecution and death. And it's almost impossible to claim a pass on the mark because of that. You couldn't sell or buy anything without having the mark. It's no coincidence the second beast comes from the earth because Satan's penchant for replicating God. Jesus came from the earth, so the second beast has to come from the earth. It also comes geologically from the area of Israel and marks his followers, just like God marked it. Beast number two is from below the ground and literally literally symbolizes hell on earth. This beast is separate physically and different from the first beast. The first beast had seven heads and ten horns, and the second beast has only two horns. Horns were a symbol of power. The second beast speaks like a dragon. There's absolutely no humility in it, and he speaks arrogantly as if he were God. Not only does he try to replace the one true God we have, but he constantly speaks lies about himself and blasphemies the real God. The second beast can only speak lies, hypocrisy, blasphemies, and adulteries against our true God. The second beast also supernaturally empowered by Satan to perform false miracles, to lead, lead people to worshiping the beast. He institutes the mark of the beast. The Greek word for the mark of the beast for that theme is charagma. It relates to the branding of seared flesh into animals to prove ownership. Charagma is like when we're branding, branding cattle to show ownership. That's what they did. That's what the second beast did throughout the world. In verse 13, we read that the second beast will perform great signs and miracles to falsely imitate Christ. Consider that Christ's miracles were never meant to lift himself up or for evidence of his divine appointment. All of Christ's miracles were to confirm the prophetic word of God as written in the Old Testament and to show that he had a relationship with God. Jesus was on appointment and assignment from God himself and performed his miracles specifically for that purpose. Only so that 
It would point to God when people were talking about what Jesus did. Our last two verses reinforce the fact that nobody on earth may buy or sell without having the mark of the beast. This mark is, mark is not specifically detailed. They don't tell you exactly what it is or how it looks. But it will be in their forehead. And that name or number will equal 666. Once again, this is a branding. This mark is a branding. It defines ownership, just like we do with cattle. Except this will assign ownership to Satan. By marking people, he imitates God because true followers of God are sealed by God. Sealed comes from the Greek word sargis and refers to a proof of ownership or inscription. The symbolism invoked by these two words is powerful. God places a symbol of value on his people. Satan does his best to counterfeit this by branding people with the mark and brands his followers just like animals to claim ownership to him. Thank the Lord above the Christians will not be around to see this stuff happen on earth. Thank you. A lot of times when we get done speaking, I just almost feel like I'm being levitated and just really impressed with the preparation that you do and Mike and one of the tributes that was paid for of our congregation and tribute that Pastor and George Groves was a well-known minister throughout the Wisconsin conference and he retired in the metropolitan area because his children, his say children are in the metropolitan area. He wanted to be able to worship with them and and he um, by the time he gets done worshiping in four or five different denominations that they represent, he comes to our church here and he's impressed with our depth. You know, he was a former musician, left the musical world and then entered into ministry, ministry, retired a few years ago, married to a, um, a psychologist, Shar. They just are very impressed with the depth and the width of our denomination, our, our church. At the Eight Ways Gateways group, he spoke, he gave us that tremendous compliment. You and I, as we gather, we're, we're gathering because of truth, we're gathering because of life in the way that Jesus proclaimed. Now, to deviate from that truth or that life or that way is, is not Christianity, it's not following the truth, it's not following the path. Mike is giving you some historical facts from some 2,000 years ago, and Bible scholars, interpreters of the word, have tried to understand the complexity of scripture that was written some 2,000 years ago and how that would be reflected in the day and the age of Christ's coming. We can kind of talk the talk and not walk the walk. A few weeks ago I gathered, we had our 50th anniversary of the Hall of Famers at the university and we were called out in the middle of the field during halftime and we were recognized for the things that we'd done and, and for what we were standing for and I was 
surprised that so many of my former Hall of Famers were Christians. They, they were members of the Athletic Christian Association. Some of them were even ministers. And the conversation was not so much around sports, but it was around what we had discussed some 50 years ago in prophecy. And, and I, I receive a number of calls from people that I pastored many, many years ago. And the theme that I was always worried about in the second coming of Jesus Christ was lawlessness and how people probably would not understand the essence of lawlessness and how a de democratic free enterprise system could turn, our, turn on our law enforcement. I, I, I preached that many years ago, having a hard time believing that, that I would ever see a day in an age where law enforcement would be scrutinized as much as they are currently. It seems like in just a few short months, the, the Biden administration has created a disaster on the sudden southern border, border of the United States. This administration has overturned so many well-meaning principles. We were energy independent. Now we became so dependent. Have you gassed up lately? Have you seen almost a 50% increase in gasoline and materials and lumber and the list goes on? I can't, I, I can't tell you all about the devastation. I mean, if you haven't recognized the devastation, you must be living with your eyes closed. It seems like it's almost methodical, almost methodical. And, and by all indications, I, I believe it's intentional. It's intentional. Undoing every meaningful border security measure that had been in place, and as a result, we have had five, five straight months of over 170,000 illegal Im immigrants apprehended at the border. And the number in June was the highest in over 20 years in immigration and customs enforcement advice ice has almost been effectively shut down and scrutinized it seems like fake news is against ice the immigration and customs enforcement it seems like news with apocalyptic you know apocalyptic it, we've almost lost that word in our society in our vocabulary apocalyptic implications is breaking up and breaking out on a daily basis and when we see things coming apart in prophecies christians we realize that things are coming together so summarizing such events in a, in a kind of a a 20-minute manner is, is such and such a sermon is very difficult, but let me try. This, this current last few months has been record-setting record in so many ways. Some of the, those ways are tragic as the Lord tries to get the, the world's attention. And don't you feel, many people I talk to feel that the Lord's trying to get our attention. 
your attention, my attention, the attention of the pulpits. Attention in his patience. God's patience is so amazing. So God then sends you and I a, a series, a series of reminders. Now here's just a short list of the harbingers. The harbingers of what is to come, of Jesus' return, that we should pay attention to. And, and they grab my attention as we rush to this, this end of this totally encompassing year that we've experienced so far. You know, it's kind of like, you know, people are living in a cave or something. They don't seem to realize that America's decline and the, and the rise of the world economic forum, and they have no conception of what the world economic forum is all about. Many hearing me did not think we would be the generation, that we would be the generation to see the, the drastic, the drastic decline of America as a world leader. The last few months, I'm, and, and I'm going to be very blunt, because I, I know that any day now, we could be shut down. I'm going to be very blunt here and suggest that America is, is not going to be able to come back. America not may not be able to come back, but who is coming back? Jesus is coming back. The world is now preparing for a, a form of global, global government. The advancement is, is stunning, and, and it's very diabolical. All efforts to advance it are cloaked in saving the world rather than uniting the world. But the organization tapped to lead this effort is the World Economic Forum. Its leader is Klaus Schwab. And he's gathered hundreds, hundreds of the global elite to carry out his satanically driven goal of a one-world government that now has global attention thanks to uh, this pandemic. The coronavirus was, was the crisis that couldn't let let them go to waste. They couldn't. One of BO's um, administrators, Barack Hussein Obama's, was known, and he thought it was kind of a smart aleck statement at the time when he says, don't let any crisis, amen, the following. So was the collapse of America as a global leader. Revelation 13 as Mike tried to introduce those seeds to your minds that hopefully you'll latch onto, even fake news can't get away from it. Revelation 13 outlines the coming of some worldwide, one world government which will be led by the Antichrist. And you and I, it's hard for us to grasp such a lawless and, and basically can interchange those two names the Antichrist spirit or the lawless spirit, because basically the Antichrist spirit is a lawless spirit. It, it's devoid of the Old Testament, devoid of the New Testament. It's, it's culture above Christ. A theocracy is where Christ is above culture. But we're living in a time and an age where culture has come into the church rather than the church going into the culture. 
In a very brazen manner, the World Economic Forum boasts in their slogan that, that humankind will own nothing and be happy. Can you imagine a day and age when you own nothing? It's hard to imagine, but we're getting to that point. You own nothing and you'll be happy. You'll be so socialistic and so Marxist that you won't own anything and you'll be happy. They're telling us in advance that they plan to be in control and will own our possessions and will govern with a sense of socialism and Marxism. It was just 50 years ago when I was in classes and, and the socialists and the Marxists were saying that true socialism, true Marxism, would be when you could give away all your property and you'd be so happy and so joyful. I, I believe that they um, manifest prominently in the tribulation period. This is certainly going to be fully true in the tribulation period and the ultimate outcome we may not, as the raptured church, witness, which the church may be gone, we may see them coming to prominence, and we may have some sense of recognition already. And have you, have you ever noticed that the tremendous amount of fear-based? Fear-based? I remember not uh, 30 years ago, I worked with Northland Mental Health in, in Itasca County, and, and we'd get clients, you know, they were so fearful of the world and what was going on in the world, but now it's just, you know, the, the fear-based rather than faith-based. The, the fear-based world is willing to submit to government overreach. The globalists convinced the world in the last months that it's worth giving up many of our freedoms in the name of health safety. During the tribulation, the left-behind world will have to give up everything, tremendous conditioning. We're being conditioned, tradition, tremendous conditioning has gone on the last few months. Our own FBI, I've known many agents and worked with many agents in, in the military. And our very own FBI encouraged people to turn in loved ones who might have been violating health, health safety. And such betrayal is, is something that's going to be rapid during the tribulation time itself. The level to which the world has cooperated has been staggering. Many have not submitted, but far too many have. The ultimate loss of freedom will come by way of vaccine passports and forced vaccinations. And while some would say that is only medical tyranny it's that but that opens the door for total tyranny we don't know how much the church will see of this though we are spared from god's wrath according to revelation chapter 310 there will be escalating birth pains escalating birth pains as creation groans who can watch the the calamity of natural disasters today we, we see a lot of the phony fake news stations commenting and on escalating, you know, the um, greater frequency and the intensity of, of what's going on in the world and 
increase of bad news versus good news, man-made and suggests the tragedies are, are man-made and the result of man-made climate change when there seems to be over 50, 50 stated um, Bible references stating that God is in control of the weather. The world is using today biblical terminology and biblical ideas. While these will be off the chart in the tribulation, we, we see just a foretaste of them in them now in the church age, and particularly all of in 2021 and forward. The, the world is suggesting that, that only Mother Earth, only Mother Earth type worship system will fix these natural calamities as they refuse to recognize them as as the hand of God. They're, they are a stunning her herald of Christ's soon return. And then I've mentioned it a number of times, the lawlessness and the rise of the spirit of the Antichrist. Um, since Minneapolis, New Brighton, Robbinsdale is my hometown, I, I recognize lawlessness. I, I work with law enforcement Yes, and I know that, that our beloved Boone had to drive through five miles of Minneapolis, which was burned down in May of 2020 and will never bounce back. And I think that contributed to his early death because he talked about it so many times when I spoke with him. But, but today's lawlessness doesn't have to be buildings. Buildings being looted and burned down. We have utter lawlessness coming out of Washington, D.C. Vaccines. Lawlessness will abound in the last days, according to Matthew 24, 12. And the passage in Matthew is really a reference to the tribulation, but, but all tribulation, all tribulation. If one didn't have a, a biblical, if, if one as Christians didn't have a biblical perspective on an end-time hope, their actions would be terrifying. It's as though they intend for us as much destruction as humanly possible. God has washed his hands of many of these godless leaders, and they are recklessly careening, careening into the very, very last days. There's such a marginalizing, and it's, it's, it's coming. It's coming slowly. A marginalizing of Christians and conservatives and, and Jews. The Bible says that the unbelieving world hates us. John 15, 19. In, in this last few months, this has become a harsh reality in the Western world. Righteous people, starting with born-again believers, have been called extremists, white supremacists, and we are almost comparable to the Taliban. We went on the, the Department of Homeland Security um, potential. The events are casting a shadow on, on the church age and, and this one in particular. The Antichrist is called the lawless one in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2.9. Father, this morning as we contemplate so many thoughts, the root of this evil is rebellion, and we see rebellion everywhere we turn. Lawlessness, since a, 
the spring and the summer. We have seen the escalation of utter lawlessness in many countries as these nations prepare to greet the Antichrist and, the, and his administration. Roman 1 talks about the reprobate mind that even Christians will fall prey to this delusional thinking. Four, four of the most terrifying words in the Bible are in Romans 1.28 that God gave them over. May we not be among those that God gave them over. That's what God does to humankind in the last days. God gives them over to a reprobate mind where to most people up is down and black is white and evil is good and such thinking abounds today. Once the culture declines to a serious level, God says enough, enough, and he's going to rescue his bride, the church, and out of it all and takes us home to heaven. God then judges the world for its depravity during the seven-year tribulation. In the last few months, we have seen major leaders engage in most delusional thinking imaginable. Imaginable. Father, with every head bowed and every eye closed and Christians in prayer, it seems like the coronavirus, suspecting the safety of the experimental drug or because of natural immunity, as we move closer and closer to the end of the church age, both Christians and Jews will be under more and more attack. We are to count it all joy, James 1, 2 says. I believe these are just some of the signs of the times in the last days. As we see this great convergence, a great convergence of all the things that seem to be falling into place, a convergence. When we see all these things coming about, when we see all these things, a great convergence of things occurring, and the world seems to be falling apart. It's just falling into place, the prophecies of God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and we never have quite enough time. And as we close, we close in prayer. Would you join me in this prayer? Dear Jesus, help me to be aware of the lawlessness. Forgive my rebellion. Come into how my heart and mind. Make me obedient to your word. Forgive my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. As we continue in worship and as we continue in our prayer support and our financial support of the church, would you join me in our closing offertory prayer? God of great blessing, but even greater lessons, Remind us again who gives life and who receives it. Sometimes, like Job, we need to have our questioning answered with a lesson. We need to learn they were not the ones in charge in the universe. The gifts we bring this morning are not a down payment toward a future favor, but a token of a debt we will never be able to repay. May we gain wisdom in the giving. And may these gifts be blessed for your glory, not ours. In Christ we pray. Amen. As the ushers circulate the offering plates, let us turn to our offertory hymn, Jesus Called Us Over the Tumult. Read hymn number 503, please. Mm -hmm. 
Stand with me for the doxology, please. Generous giving God, we offer our gifts to you in gratitude for all the blessings you rain down upon us. Your sunshine warms us, your earth feeds us, and your word, your word nourishes us. More than these gifts of money, we give ourselves our time and our energy that we might be doers of your word and not just hearers only. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. If you have an announcement you want to make, make sure you comment and do it on the mic at the front here, please. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Janet. Happy birthday to you. Amen. I can see how you get those digits mixed up. 29 versus 92. Oh, wow. Any other 
we're just going to have a celebration, but we're also going to have a celebration of life with Rilla um, this coming Tuesday. And I did mention that in my prayer, and it's in the bulletin, and Rilla just enjoyed all of it, and we hope that you'll support her family. I believe her daughter wanted to try to be here today. She may be coming in a little late, but that's Rilla Ukulitsan. Yeah, she was going on 101, just turned 100. We circulated a card here, you know, a few months ago. Anybody else nearing 100? Just feel it. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Go Vikings. Go Packs. Prouts. I think we should we should sing Happy Anniversary to our favorite organist here. Happy Anniversary to you. Happy Anniversary to you. Happy Anniversary. Yes, Happy anniversary to you, Lord. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. We tried to kind of match up your favorite color with them, um, with Kathy's sweater. Not that she's going to share that sweater. Take us out, team. <laughs>